Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. I'm Karen Brown and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, it's time for open enrollment under the Affordable Care Act. We'll take a look at the number of Mississippians enrolling. Then, reports of individual sex trafficking minors are on the rise in Mississippi. We'll hear from U.S. Attorney Mike Hurst on the need to stay vigilant. And hear from an organization working to spread a little Christmas cheer to poor children and families across the state. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Enrollment for the Affordable Care Act is underway, and there's less than two weeks to beat the deadline. State Insurance Commissioner Mike Cheney says enrollment is steady. He tells MPB's Desiree Frazier organizations funded to provide ACA enrollment assistance have been affected by the cuts. The up-to-date numbers for the beginning January 1, 2019, and these numbers are through December the 3rd, 2018, is right at 70,000 which includes new and re-enrollees in the Affordable Care Act. And that plan is operated in the state of Mississippi by Ambetter. They're the only carrier that operates a plan on the ACA. So the enrollment is actually uh, very even, if not uh, up a little bit over the same period for the previous year. And that speaks volumes about uh, the fact that most of the people on the Affordable Care Act in Mississippi received tax subsidies, actually 97% received tax subsidies in the year 2018. And preliminary, we believe that about 96 to 97% will also receive tax subsidies in 2019. Now, I understand that we received the highest rate of subsidies of any state in the nation. Uh, we do receive a very high rate of subsidies compared to other states, but there are a couple of other states that are very close to us. And the reason for that is that the numbers don't change state by state on the dollar amount per policy. What changes are the number of people that are at the poverty level. So Mississippi has a larger number of people on the poverty level below 250%, and therefore we would receive more tax credits per capita than the rest of the other states. The Trump administration did away with the, um, well, not didn't do away with it, but considerably reduced funding for marketing. Do you think that that is impacting the numbers or keeping more people from learning about the program and signing up? Uh, I don't think it's had a big impact, not in Mississippi. And the reason for that is the uh, CMS administration asked us to do a lot of the marketing, which uh, we very quietly do. Now, the organizations that are being paid to do the marketing are the ones that have been impacted, and their dollars have been cut for marketing and for promoting uh, the ACA. And that would basically be something that we call navigators and some of the other contract groups that contract with CMS to promote the ACA. But we haven't seen a big effect of that in Mississippi. The mandate of 
to uh, that required that you have insurance was repealed. Any impact on sign up? You think? Not at all. It may have, it may have affected three or four people, but just in the scheme of things, when your enrollment's at seventy thousand and it's higher than what it was for the same period a year ago, it pretty well tells you that people are on board, they're using the health insurance, and that uh, the individual mandate had very little effect, one. And number two, that the like of marketing dollars for some of the contract marketers has not had a big effect in the state. So how many people signed up for insurance last year? Uh, At the same time, last year we had about... Little less than seventy thousand, so we got a few more signed up this year than what we had previously. And at the end of the enrollment period, do you know how many you had? Well, we ended up. Uh, CMS said we had eighty-four thousand, and we ended up with about eighty-two. And after the first two months, that number dropped down below eighty thousand. That's because people can't afford the premiums, or they, they don't. They couldn't pay. afford the premium, or they moved, or they found other coverage. You know, they may stay on the plan only for a short period of time until. They can get actually find coverage somewhere else that they may want. And a lot of that has to do with what we, with what we normally call in the healthcare business network. That means that someone that would buy a health insurance plan on the ACA wants to be certain they can see the doctors of their choice. And that's one of the fallacies of the ACA. It doesn't allow you to see the doctor you want to see. You have to see the doctors that are in the networks. Overall, how would you say this program is going from your perspective as an insurance commissioner? Well, as a perspective as insurance commissioner, this is not a political statement for or against the ACA. It's going very well in the state of Mississippi. For the ACA, what are the deductibles like? Are they very high? Well, for the ACA, the deductibles are very high. You've got a 20% copay if you're on uh, one of the silver plans, but uh, the other part of that is your out-of-pocket expense can exceed $7,000 a year, whereas some other plans, your out-of-pocket expense may not exceed 1000 or $1,200 a year. And that's a big deal if you, if you need insurance. Mike Cheney, the State Insurance Commissioner, thank you so much for speaking with thank us. Thank you. Enrollment began November 1st and ends December 15th. Coverage takes effect January 1st, 2019. Coming up, reports of individual sex trafficking minors are on the rise in Mississippi. We'll hear from U.S. Attorney Mike Hurst on the need to stay vigilant. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from the University of Mississippi School of Education with 100% online master's or specialist degrees in fields like teaching, leadership, higher education, and more. More information at rebelteacher.com. Running a business requires smart decisions every day. Make a good decision for your company today and reach MPB listeners through MPB program underwriting. For more information, go to mpbonline.org slash underwriting. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The number of minors reported abducted and forced into sex trafficking is on the rise, according to law enforcement in Mississippi. Officials are asking parents to take extra precautions while vacationing this holiday. Leah Dodrill of Moss Point is a survivor of human trafficking. She tells MPB's Ashley Norwood about her experience. Um, it all started um, at probably about 19, 19 years old. Um, I was actually, I graduated high school and 
a lot of things had happened in my younger years, childhood, that um, I didn't go to college. So I didn't know what to do. I was already an addict before I graduated high school. So I met the guy that sold drugs to my family. And eventually he um, trafficked me out um, through living with him and supplying my drug needs and stuff like that. So um, it wasn't like, a, a, you know, as a minor, it was as an adult. And probably two and a half, three years that went on. Was it just a dependency or, or in exchange for drugs or did you love him? Was he In exchange a for drugs. I did okay. not love him. He was actually 55 years old and I was, you know, 19, 20. So, um, so what, what it really started out was you can stay here to have somewhere to live because I didn't have anywhere to stay at the time. I was, you know, I thought I had it all figured out. So I moved out of my grandparents' house at 18. So I was just kind of like out there, lost, and I was vulnerable, and he gave me somewhere to stay. Throughout time, I quit my job at Subway. I got fired because I wasn't showing up to work, and I had a drug issue. So I was buying the pills and buying the drugs, but then after I couldn't afford it, he said, well, this is what you can do to, you know, purchase those things. And did he ever force you to do those things? He put you in situations where you were forced to have sex with men? Yes, ma'am. Especially with him. It was mostly him, but there were people, you know, that he brought in that I never saw any of the money or any of the drugs. Is he serving any time for what he did? How did you escape that? Well, one day I got sick in withdrawals, and I just decided that I knew I had to get help. So I just told him, you know, it's me go get help or me die sooner or later here. He told me that day that I could go, and when I left, I never went back. I searched for rehab, you know, detox, everything like that. And I found I found a place called Teen Challenger, Mississippi, that they took me in um, for free and just loved on me and, and helped me, you know, rehabilitate myself. And after all of that, he passed away. I, I, I graduated the program in 2015, so he passed away in 2015. And nothing was ever really done. I, don't, I didn't know that I was even a trafficking victim up until about a year and a half ago. Well, when you came to realize that you were a victim of trafficking, how did that make you feel? At first, it was just like, this only happens in the movies. You know, this didn't happen to me. And, but when it was laid out in front of me, and, um, you know, I had to, there was a diagram of force fraud or coercion. When that was laid out in front of me, and, and I was told, you know, it's one of these things, I one of the, out of three things happened to you, you know, in the three categories then you were a victim of this and I, I felt overwhelmed you know a little like does this you know this, this happened to me you know I mean I, I felt like I had gotten myself in that mess you know what I mean because my drug addiction is all my fault but um through time and through healing I've just kind of been okay with it you know like that happened it happened it's yeah. not happening no more so whatever I can do to save and um share get the news out, let people know that this stuff is real, that it can happen to you. It's happening right in front of us. We don't even know most times. Then I'm going to share it. There were categories that you related to, and if you related to so many of them, then you were a victim. For those who are listening and who who may question if they are a victim, can you kind of talk about what those categories are? Force, fraud, or coercion. So I'm not – I haven't been – 
totally trained in all of this, but um, for the most part, there's a few things that happen in force, fraud, or coercion. And if one out of those, out of all three of the categories, happened to you, then you know you have been a victim of trafficking. And I am still learning all of the, the details to it. So. I, I wish I had better information. No, no, I got to. But force, fraud, and coercion, I mean, it seems like, you know, there's something that e- for us to remember easily. Um, can you, I guess, maybe simplify what each of those mean or what each of those may look like by a situation or some mm-hmm. sort? For um, what I had to figure out in my story, when some, if someone comes in and you are forced to make, to have any kind of sexual relations with them, then, and you don't see anything from that exchange of value, then, you know, that's, that's the potential trafficking situation. For me, that's what kind of happened. You know, one, with the man that I was living with, you know, he would, he was like, he held the drugs over my head, so I would do what he wanted me to do. And then others, when he taught me how to be a prostitute, pretty much, and people would come in, it was like, then you don't get to see the money. So that paid for my drug issues, if that makes sense. So it's like you're forced to do labor, and you never see, you know, the the rewards of that work, you know. So that helps answer that question. I guess now you, you said that you have recovered from your drug addiction and you've gotten out of this situation. Um, how do you feel? And what do you say to young women and men who are in similar situations? For me, I'm healed. I know the Lord Jesus Christ is my Savior, and I believe with all my heart that I am who he says I am. I am no longer a victim or um, a drug addict or anything for that matter. I'm a child of the King, and there is healing. There is hope. You can get through this. You can get past it. There's a better life on the other side of the darkness if you just give it a shot. And I just kind of went out on a limb one day and gave it a shot to to see what it's like to have a different life than what I was living, and it was well worth making that decision. Well, Leah Dodgerill, thank you so much for your time, and thank you for sharing your story. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Law enforcement officials and survivors are asking Mississippians to get involved and report any suspicious activity. U.S. Attorney Mike Hurst describes a case to our Ashley Norwood in which a Jackson man was found guilty for trafficking minors just last week. Unfortunately, we're seeing human trafficking occur more and more throughout our state. I know we've, uh, the National Human Trafficking Hotline has received a number of calls just this year in 2018. And um, it's really uh, part of our mission, part of our project is to create more awareness about that so that these terrible acts can be reported to law enforcement and that we and the U.S. Attorney's Office with our other law enforcement partners can go after these individuals and prosecute these terrible crimes. Do you have a number maybe or an estimate of, you said so many calls this year, do you sort of have a a figure for that? Yeah, the last numbers I saw um, were, I think uh, the state had received about 44 calls, or the trafficking hotline rather, had received about 44 calls concerning our state this year, and about 20 of those were reporting actually uh, human trafficking. I know our office has been involved uh, in partnership with the FBI, Homeland Security, uh, the Mississippi Attorney General's office in investigating and prosecuting a number of these. And we just finished a trial last week, unfortunately, where an individual uh, was tracking in minor children, um, forcing them to have sex in exchange for money that he collected. And uh, we've had a few recent other uh, defendants that have pled guilty 
uh, to crime similar to that. Um, it's just a really devastating, heartbreaking situation all around. But I want to encourage the public to, if they see anything that even remotely looks suspicious, please reach out to our office, to the FBI, to other law enforcement so that we can look into it. I definitely wanted to ask you about that case um, last week where the man was found guilty. Can you share any additional details about that case specifically? Um, you know, the age of the children, uh, what locations across the state where they found um, what he was doing to them? This individual, unfortunately, was uh, was recruiting uh, minors who had either run away or um, he had heard about, and uh, he was forcing them um, not only through physical force, through uh, mental torture, through uh, holding guns to their heads, um, doing all types of things to force them into the sex trade. Um, it, it's a real heartbreaking situation. I don't want to get into the details of the minors themselves, but um, to see what this individual was doing was really evil by, by any standard. And so we, uh, I, I really commend my prosecutors, Glenda Haynes, Keith French, uh, the investigators at the Mississippi Attorney General's Office and the FBI. Uh, those folks are the ones that are, are the real heroes in, in this case. And um, this individual, uh, fortunately, has been brought to justice. U.S. Attorney Mike Hurst, thank you again so much for your time. Thank you so much, Ashley. For information about how to report a situation, visit the Justice Department's website at justice.gov. Listen to MPB News on all your devices. Just download the MPB Public Media app or tell your smart speaker, open MPB Think Radio. Coming up, hear from an organization working to spread a little Christmas cheer to poor children and families across the state. That's at, This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from the University of Mississippi School of Education with 100% online master's or specialist degrees in fields like teaching, leadership, higher education, and more. More information at rebelteacher.com. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thousands of Mississippi families will need a helping hand to put gifts under the tree this holiday. The Salvation Army is opening an Angel Tree toy shop in Jackson, asking Mississippians to donate toys and clothing to more than 2,500 children. For the first time this year, children will also receive a week's worth of food and snacks. Major Robert Lyle is with the office in Jackson and talks with MPB's Ashley Norwood. Yeah, um, you know, we moved here from Chattanooga, Tennessee, and uh, we had about 300 more families that we were helping there. Uh, great community, great support. But I come to Jackson, and Jackson is spread out. It's a little bit more economically depressed than Chattanooga. But the people here are more generous. Uh, I heard a, an advertisement on the radio the other day. Um, I think the attorney general was saying this. The folks in Mississippi are the most generous people in America, and I, I agree with that. Uh, they uh, they come out in droves. If we do a if we say to the media we need food for our pantry, the next day we have truckloads of people bringing stuff to us. So this is a very giving community. So my wife and I are very pleased to serve here. We know that uh, as a Salvation Army, we believe that Christ is is the center of what we need to do, and He's what brings hope to a community that's hurting. Jackson's hurting with the crime rate that we have. We have good leaders. We have good people. We have good Christian families. We have good churches. Churches on every corner. So, the Salvation Army just counts it an honor to be a part of that because, again, we believe that uh, 
He is indeed the Prince of Peace, and uh, we can offer that through this kind of out- outpouring. Let me ask you this. What qualifies a family? Well, they uh, have to come in. They have to have proof of those who live in their household. It's their children, um, and that's a birth certificate or a Social Security card. Um, we, have to look, we look at their income and expenses, and we try to find ways to qualify them. Uh, we may have turned three or four people away this year because their income was just way higher than their expenses. And uh, it's kind of crazy just to keep helping those that aren't really in need. So you come in, you prove to us that they live in your house, that they're your, resp- I'm sorry, that they're your responsibility. Uh, and then we um, look at your income and expenses, what your rent is, what your regular utilities are. And that also allows us to say, well, maybe we can help you with your budgeting. We can then refer them to our uh, learning center, which is over on Presto. Uh, we can find out, uh, send them through social services, maybe able to help them with rent or utilities. So uh, it's really an easy process. They just got to show it with proof of income and those living in the household. We review it that day. Uh, they'll receive uh, information before they leave, um, or if not before they leave, the next day, saying this is when you have to come back to pick your items up. Can you quantify that in terms of the, the um, income? that most families that you serve make? The the number itself is off the top of my head, but it's the, it's what uh, the state uses for the poverty level. If you fall below the poverty level, you automatically qualify. Anybody else can be considered. For instance, somebody just lost a job. They're not really at the point that they're completely out of resources, but this will be a way to help. So when they come in, we can review every individual case. But as a rule, it's the, uh, it's the poverty level. Since you're on the ground working uh, with families, can you kind of talk about what you've seen and how prevalent poverty is in this area or the areas that you serve? Jackson's not unlike any other large city this size. You have pockets of people that are in desperate need, uh, and you got uh, pockets of people that can help those that are in need. So what we find, in especially in the Jackson area itself, um, the need uh, continues uh, not just at Christmas time. It's throughout the year. So... Um, Again, I've served in several places. Um, prior to this, like I said, I was in Chattanooga. Uh, I don't see much difference in, uh, you know, the Bible says the poor you'll have with you always, and we are supposed to meet those needs. Um, and again, when we use the word poor, I don't mean to disenfranchise anyone. Sometimes it's just where we are and where we live and circumstances has happened to us. So just because you come to the Salvation Army doesn't mean that you're poor. What it means is that you may just need a hand up instead of a hand out. And what the Salvation Army wants to do is offer hope. And, again, that hope comes in every person is a person. They're not a number. They're not a name, uh, a client. They're not a case file. They are a person. And we want to know them, and we want to do what we can to help them. And uh, for those that are in desperate need, we want to make sure that we meet every need that they have to the best of our ability. But then those that are just running through the system, those that are just looking for a free handout, we're not afraid to say, no, we're going we're gonna to vet this a little bit more. We'll get back with you. Because, again, at the end of the day, I have, to be a, I have to be the best steward I can of what the Lord provided for us. And when the folks in this community support us, I want to be able to say we've done the best we can. And, you know, I look at everything. I judge everything on the metric of my life. If the Lord calls me home tonight, have I done everything according to what he's laid upon my heart to do? And uh, that is treating all people with the same respect and uh, realizing that uh, need knows no season. This is happening all over the state, correct? Everywhere where there's a Salvation Army city, they'll have something very similar to this. Uh, We have 1,251 families. Um, 2,510 children will receive uh, gifts this year. 351 seniors. Uh, And uh, we'll also this year going to be doing a food box for them. 
kids are out of school for a little bit extra, so we're going to provide for the first time ever this year. We're going to do a food box that will get them through about a week. And uh, so they'll come in and receive their toys and food on the same day. Major Robert Lyle works with the Salvation Army in Jackson, but as he points out, similar angel trees and other charitable programs are available through every branch of the Salvation Army. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Money Talks. Then at 10, it's In Legal Terms. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking. We want to hear from you. Let us know what you think about a story or send us a news tip by visiting MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi edition only on MPB Think Radio. MPB would like to thank Daniel, Coker, Horton, and Bell and the Mississippi Healthcare Alliance for underwriting MPB programs. Your company can be an underwriter, too. Find out more. Go to mpbonline.org underwriting to find out how.